Welcome to GRIT, the Real Estate Growth Mindset Podcast, hosted by Brian Charlesworth, founder of Sisu. Sisu provides growth automation software for real estate. You'll hear stories from real estate thought and technology leaders, team owners, and brokers on how they grew their business in a rapidly changing industry. You'll learn how to transform your brokerage and teams into a high-performing and analytics-driven business so you have a new, durable, competitive advantage against disruption in your market. So let's get right into it. Everyone, uh, welcome back to the Grit Podcast. I'm Brian Charlesworth. I'm the founder of Sisu, where real estate transacts online and your host of the show. And for those of you who don't know what Sisu is, you might think of us as the operating system for the real estate industry. So if you haven't heard of us, check us out. But today I have a special guest with me. I'm here with Michelle Seiler Tucker. Michelle is with Seiler Tucker, which is her business. They have the tagline of the business authorities. And if you look at her, I don't know, for those of you who are watching today, she has this exit rich background behind her. So we're going to talk a lot about today about how to exit rich. But Michelle has been featured on numerous TV shows, books, uh, magazines from Entrepreneur to Forbes, ABC, CNN, MSNBC, and many others. So she has a very strong background. She's written multiple books. And the book we're going to talk about today is actually Exit Rich. She also has her own podcast, which is called the Exit Rich Podcast. So if any of you are building a business and thinking about exiting rich, which would be the way you'd want to exit, you're going to enjoy today's show. So Michelle, welcome to the show. What did I miss? Um, I don't think you missed a lot. I'm a mergers and acquisitions master intermediary, senior business analyst, been in this industry a little over 20 years, personally sold over 500 companies. My firm altogether sold a little over a thousand, pretty much in every single vertical you can imagine. So you guys are an exit advisor. Does that mean you're like an investment bank or, or what exactly? I mean, similar, you know, um, we really specialize in buying, selling, fixing, growing companies. Steve Forbes, you know, what Steve Forbes says is right. The 80% of businesses will not sell. Eight out of 10 companies don't sell for a multitude of reasons. So a long time ago, I started fixing businesses, growing businesses and putting them on a build to sell model. I partner with business owners, investing my my capital resources, core competencies, and fix their business, grow their business. And like I said, put them on a build to sell model. And then sometimes we buy businesses and flip them. So really specializing in buying and selling, fixing, growing. We merge businesses, we sell businesses. It just really depends upon, you know, what the objective is of the owner and how if the business is going to sell for their desired sales price. And most of them won't, (laughs) which is why we got to fix them and grow them. Yep. And so that, that's a good point there. You just talked about for their desired sales price. And, uh, you know, a big question is timing of selling a business, right? I mean, but yep. the, before we talk about some of that stuff, I'd love to go back in time and just learn about like, how did you get into this business? Yeah. So the way I got into it, I've always been an entrepreneur. So I've always owned different businesses. You know, I've owned graphics. I own a graphics company, but I've, I've owned graphics company, publishing companies, um, healthcare companies, just in different verticals. I went into, started a franchise development consulting and franchise sales company and was a equity partner in different franchisors businesses. I had so many buyers ask me, gosh, do you have any existing businesses? Cause I didn't want to buy a, a startup franchise. 
And I said, you know what? Why? I should. <laughs> so really, that's what led me to start my M&A firm a little over 20 years ago because I had so many buyers that didn't want to buy a franchise. So prior to that, you were actually in the franchising industry. Mm-hmm. Okay. I spent eight years buying companies in the franchise industry. So we... Oh, uh, I'm surprised we, we never met before now. <laughs> definitely that in common. I did that for about eight years. And uh, I guess I stopped doing that about six years ago. So... Mm. Anyway, when you decided to start a business, is that the business you're currently running? Is- yes. I'm, I'm, well, I own multiple companies. I don't run the day-to-day operations in all my other companies because I would never get anything done in my M&A firm. Um, so yes, I am full-time in my M&A firm, but I also write books. So I've written three books and I'm also an international speaker, so quite busy. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. Great. So let's talk, I guess, let's start out by really, maybe let's talk about the biggest mistake that business owners make, because you've seen a lot of businesses um, and only 20% exit. And, you know, if you're not exiting, you're, if you're building a business, I guess there's three reasons you would build a business. One would be to exit. Uh, I mean, ultimately you're looking for an outcome. Two would be to take a public or three would be you're building a business that is a cash cow that you're just going to hold on to and it's going to generate revenue for you for, you know, hopefully for the rest of your life, right? Yeah, but nothing lasts forever. <laughs> so nothing lasts forever. So the biggest mistake that I see business owners, there's so many, <laughs> but one of the biggest is business owners don't plan their exit. They don't even think about selling until a catastrophic event occurs, whether that's internal or external, internal being health issues, partners disputes, divorce, death, you know, death of a partner, death of, of an owner, death of a spouse, and then external is this pandemic that we're in right now. So that's really the worst time to sell your business is when you're facing a catastrophic event. The best time to sell your business is when your business is in its prime and doing well. And then many business owners have created a glorified job that they go to work at every day versus a business that actually works for them. And it's not sellable because buyers don't want to buy your job. They want to buy a business. The business is way too dependent upon the owner to actually sell the business. Those are some of the biggest mistakes, but there's a lot more. I could just write a book on the biggest mistakes owners make. No, I think, I think those are all great advice. (laughs) Selling a business. If if you're thinking of selling a business, it's kind of like the the stock market, right? The last time you, you you don't want to sell your stock in 2008 when the market, (laughs) don't want to sell your stock in March of 2019, you know, that that's when you want to buy. Right. So I I think it's the same way with a business for sure. Definitely plan to, if an exit is your plan, plan to do that when you're, when you're on the rise. Right. Yeah. And you, you know, I always tell my business owners, my clients to really plan that from the beginning, you know, and I know it sounds, it's kind of like Stephen Covey says, start with the end in mind. And really plan your exit from the beginning of buying or starting your business. And I don't know most business owners are like, what are you talking about? You know, <laughs> but if you start with the end in mind and really think about my business, you know, I call it the GPS exit model. What's the first thing you need to do when you want to drive somewhere? You pull out your phone, you go to Google Maps, and you plug in your destination. Well, that's what business owners need to do. They need to figure out what their destination is because business owners don't plan to fail, they fail to plan. They drive around in circles. They drive up and down the financial hills to end up exiting poor. So first and foremost, they need to determine their destination. What's their desired sales price? 
And everybody gets hung up on this number, Brian. And, uh, you know, and I'm like, don't get hung up on a number. Just pick a number. <laughs> Let's say you want to sell for 20 million. Boom, there's a number. Now, what does a GPS exit model need to know? It needs to know where you're starting from. What is your current valuation? So many, and you probably know this, Brian, because you've, you know, bought and sold businesses, but so many business owners have never had an annual valuation. They've never had a valuation period. I just met with a business owner the other day that's been in business 40 years, never had his business evaluated. They don't get the business evaluated until they want to sell. And right. then they're shocked by the numbers because they're like, oh, I want $10 million for my business. And they're even as a hundred thousand. <laughs> I'm like, how did you come up with 10 million? Oh, that's what I need to retire on. Oh, that's what I need to pay for five girls weddings or, you know, whatever the or might be, but they don't base it upon the value. They base it upon their need. So you really need to know what's your destination. Let's say you want to sell for 20 million. Then you want to, you got to know what is your business worth. And the reason I say you should have an annual valuation checkup is because there are events to increase valuation or events to decrease valuation. What are, what are some of those events that would increase and decrease valuation? COVID. <laughs> you know, COVID. COVID. It did for a few months, but uh, there's definitely been some large exits. Since well, COVID has increased valuations dramatically for some industries and increased and decreased it for other industries, right? Yes. It's a perfect example. The recession. Yep. A fire, tornadoes, hurricanes. I mean... Right. You, yeah. And so catastrophes, right? Or catastrophes, right? Things that are out of your control can definitely do that. Things in Embe your embezzlement. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So you should know what your business is worth. You should get an annual business valuation checkup. And I don't recommend getting that from your CPA. I recommend getting that from an mergers and acquisitions team that knows how to evaluate synergies because so it's not just about the EBITDA, it's about the synergies. What? I'm guessing that's one of the things that you guys do at your firm. Of course. Yeah. Yes. We, yeah, we evaluate, we evaluate the synergies of a business. So back to that GPS, let's say you want to sell for 20 million, you're worth 5 million. Then the next thing you need to know is time frame. Let's say you want to do it in 10 years. Then you need to know, well, who's your buyer is going to be? There's five different types of buyers. Yep. So how do you determine like, who are my buyers going to be? I mean, that's obviously something you need to start thinking about early on. Absolutely. And it really depends upon that sales price, because if you want to sell for $20 million, you're not selling to first-time buyers. 90% of buyers are first-time buyers. They, they don't buy $20 million businesses. They buy coffee shops, restaurants, ice cream stores. And then you got turnaround specialists. They don't buy $20 million companies. They buy distressed assets. So it really depends upon where your business is, what buyer is going to be right for you. But And then you got PEGs, private equity groups. They buy based on platforms and, and add-ons. And then you have strategic slash competitors. They typically pay the highest multiple because they're buying synergies to catapult their current business to the next level. They're buying contracts, patents, trademarks, the, the talent of that business. Plus they take advantage of economies of scale and they look at, you know, what overhead they can, they can cut, decrease, you know, rich increase EBITDA. And then the last type of buyer is sophisticated entrepreneurs. They're industry agnostic. They chase EBITDA. Mm -hmm. Okay. So now we, we know the amount we're looking for. Let's just go with 20 million for the purpose of this conversation. We've identified who our buyers are. We should have used you as a real example, actually. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead. Identify who our buyers are. Now, how do we go further down that roadmap? Well, now you need to reverse engineer. 
Okay. You need to know what your numbers, what you, where your numbers need to be. So if you want to sell for $20 million, where's your gross revenues need to be? Where's your COGS, your operating expenses? Most importantly, your EBITDA, earnings, preferences, taxes, depreciation, amortization. I always say EBITDA and then I, people say, Michelle, can you please <laughs> tell us what that means? But um, in order to sell for $20 million, you need to have an EBITDA between $4 million to $5 million, depending upon the industry. If it's a SaaS business, SaaS is a multiple of revenues. All the other industries are typically a multiple of EBITDA. Yeah. yeah. And so if you want to sell for $20 million, you're looking at three and a half to four, depending upon the synergies. Synergies drive value. So the more proprietary assets you have, the higher multiple you're going to get. Right. And then once you figure out where your numbers need to be, then you need to figure out, well, what synergies will these buyers pay top dollar for? How do I build my business to meet their specific criteria? It's kind of like when you go into business, Brian, you go, okay, here's my widget. <laughs> here's my ideal target market for my widget. Yep. I'm going to build, I'm going to build everything I'm building is for this ideal target market. Same thing with building a business to sell. So reverse engineering, I think is a great thing. Uh, you know, know, know where you're going to get, know your time frame of when you want to get there. And then that reverse engineering, there's my philosophy on that is if you want to get from here to here, from point A to point B, there are really a thousand ways to get there, but how are you going to get there? Right. And so you've got to have the vision. Without yep. the vision, you're not going to get there. Once you have the vision, the other stuff's going to flow as long as, right, as long as you are committed and you have the why and, and, and the yeah. purpose and the drive and all those things. But Well, the why is my last step in my GPS exit model is the why. Because <laughs> if you don't have a powerful why, you'll never make it. You know, business is not free and business is not easy. And if it's easy to sell a business for $20 million, everybody would be doing it. Yeah, so... So obviously, I think Simon Sinek is the one that got the why to really take off, right? The, the what, the how, the why, and everyone knows what they're doing and they know how they're doing it, but they don't know why they're doing it. So yeah. talk about the why a little bit more. Well, I think, you know, the why has got to be, to me, you got to have a pretty significant why. I had a gentleman that came to me that wanted to sell his business in the $20, $30 million range. And I'm like, why, why, why? You know, because he had to build his business because it was worth nothing near, near that. And he goes, my wife was diagnosed with a debilitating skin disease. There is no cure. And her treatments are outside of what insurance would cover. Imagine that, right? <laughs> yeah. And we really need the money. Plus, we want to come up with a cure. That's a pretty powerful why to keep you motivated, to keep you in the game to keep you weathering all the financial storms, to get you to your end game, to your destination, to your desired sales price. Don't you think? Sure. Absolutely. So, you know, if you just say, oh, I want to sell my business for $20 million and that's it. <laughs> Cause you want to buy a plane or an Island or more cars, you know, that's not really a significant why, you know? And I also think it's, you know, important. I mean, in my business, we always tie, you know, nonprofits to our business and making sure that we're giving back to the community. That's part of our why. Okay, great. Thank you. So uh, let's summarize really quick, just like what, uh, let's summarize the points in your book of okay. Exit Rich. Oh, all the points in the book of Exit Rich? Well, I'm sure you have too many points, but just maybe, you know, just a high level because, uh, and, and then talk about, I know you have, uh, 
talk about the dates that it's coming out and uh, if, if there's any special benefits for our listeners or anything like that. Sure. So Exit Rich, when I, when I wrote my very first book called Sell Your Business from What It's Worth in 2013, I did the research and learned what all of us knew really is that 95% of all startups would fail. We turned that one to five years, you know, most businesses would go out of business. When I started doing research for Exit Rich in 2019, 2020, really 2019 before the pandemic, I did the exact same research and learned that the business landscape has actually flip-flopped. It's only 30% of startups are going out of business now. But out of 27.6 million companies, those businesses have been in business for over 10 years. 70% of them are at risk of going out of business. 70%. So it's actually flip-flopped. Mm-hmm. Now, you've heard, you, you listen to the media, because I always talk about the public companies. Toys R Us in business 75 years goes out. Kmart, Steinmart, you know, GNC is closing down 900 locations. Godiva is closing down 1,500 locations. Disney stores are closing. And yes, that's retail, but there's lots of other public companies that are all also going out of business, but they're not talking about the private businesses yeah. that are going out of business, that are exiting poor, that are selling for pennies on the dollar, closing their business, or even worse, filing bankruptcy. So Exit Rich is really about how to plan your exit. Well, let me back up. One of the number one reasons for that, that these businesses are going out of business after 10 years, because it used to be, Brian, that you could be in business five, seven, eight, nine, 10 years and yeah. you're golden, right? Right. You're golden. That, that was Not, the days of technology. <laughs> that's exactly right. So the number one reason businesses are going out of business is lack of aim. Aim is always innovate in market. These business owners stop innovating. Look at Blockbuster. Yeah. They had an opportunity to buy Netflix. They sat back, did nothing, and out of business. Toys R Us did nothing different in, in 75 years. So these businesses stop innovating and they stop marketing. So that's why so many of them are going out of business. So Exit Rich is really all about building that sustainable business that's scalable that you can sell because it's really pretty sad that these baby boomers have poured their heart, their soul, their energy in building their business, you know, over decades. And they're really exiting for pennies on the dollar. That's really sad. So Exit Rich is all about planning your exit, you know, going through the seller sanity check to figure out what's really important to you. What's the most important thing to you? It's not always the price, believe it or not. And then it also goes into the five different types of buyers or negotiables or non-negotiables. It goes into the six P's in great depth because I always say you have to have a solid infrastructure to, to operate and sell your business. So it goes into the six P's. You want me to highlight the six P's real quick or no? Yeah, sure. Yes, let's do so it. So people, people is number one. You can't, you don't have a business if you don't have people. You don't build a business, you build people and people build a business. People is number one. So many business owners are working in their business, not on their business. So business owners really have to hire their weaknesses and focus on their strengths and work on the business, not in it. So you got to put the right people in the right spot and ask the who question, you know, who handles customer service, marketing, legal, manufacturing, logistics. The clue, Brian, is you should never be next to any who. <laughs> And that's the number one reason that businesses are not selling is because the business is a thousand percent dependent upon the owner. We just had a dentist come to us, been in business for 50 years, three dental hygienists, no other dentist. I said, look, I can sell your business, but I can't maximize value because you don't have a business. You have a job. And I said, and the purchase price will be contingent upon you staying and his three dental hygienists or his daughters. And he said, honey, I'm not staying. I said, well, then honey, you're not selling. Because <laughs> when y'all leave, the patients leave. 
Yeah, there's no value in that business. There's no value. And that's real estate, that's doctors, that's plumbers, that's, I mean, that's all kinds of service businesses and even non-service businesses. I mean, we have a business that we're selling right now for $70 million. They have 300 employees, but that business will not operate without that owner because he has the key relationships and he has a lot of IP in his head. Yeah. So so we're selling 80% of the company. What's that? Buying and selling companies is that usually no matter what business you're selling, it's likely going to be asked of you to stay for at least two years. Uh, possibly even longer, right? Two to five years. Yeah. And a lot of times, so, you know, there's five ways to really exit. Well, six ways if you can't go in public, but um, a lot of buyers now are buying a percentage, especially, you know, in the larger businesses uh, with an over a million in EBITDA, they're buying 70, 80, 90% mm-hmm. and requiring the owner to retain equity. Yeah. Now, yeah. Not on the smaller ones. If you've been enjoying Grit, please help us continue to grow the channel by leaving a five-star review and sharing it with a friend. Now back to Grit. And then product, you know, product is what we talked about. You know, you you have to innovate. You you could ask, is your product, your service, your industry on the way up or on the way out? Do you have an Amazon or do you have a Blockbuster? (laughs) And unfortunately, there are so many industries that are on the way out. So you really have to pivot. Um, And then processes. focus on that one for a minute. uh, Sure. Because... Okay, product. Uh, a lot of our listeners are in the real estate space. <laughs> and so you've been talking about constantly innovating. And I think it's so important, especially, I mean, in every industry, but it is the key to success, Brian. Without it, you're dead. Yes. And I mean, you gave a great example Blockbuster, right? Technology is increasing at the rate at which technology is increasing, increases every year, right? So we're now increasing and like the, what, what used to take a hundred years to get from here to here, we're now doing in five years mm-hmm. that much growth because, because it's just accelerating at such a rapid pace. So any industry you're in, including real estate, make sure that you are leveraging the technology to get you and your business to that, you know, so to where it's automated, to where you're working on the business, to where you're doing all the things that you've talked about here today, right? So I was going to say, you said, including real estate, I was going to say, especially real estate, because it's so competitive. They're so competitive. How many real estate agents are there? (laughs) Two million million in the US, but my opinion- How how many? Two million. I thought there were more than that. No, two million in the US. My opinion is that's going to be reduced significantly over the next two to three years. Well, it's it's imperative that that real estate agents adapt and innovate, um, because that's the only way they're going to stay competitive and you know yeah. be efficient. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, the the thing about real estate, it, it's evolved so much. I see. I grew up with a dad who was in real estate, and you know he owned a brokerage uh, with about a hundred agents at one point. But that being said, there wasn't the opportunity for him to run a team that didn't exist back then, (laughs) run a team of agents that are, you know, doing a thousand transactions a year. Whereas now that's, that's not uncommon at all. So anyway, and and it's just the technology has, has enabled people to do that. So. Absolutely. Um, And then product, it was what? Processes. Processes. Yeah. And processes are huge. You know, processes are kind of like exit strategy. Business owners don't think about them until uh, something bad happens. They're like, oh, we need a process for that. <laughs> <You know? 
<laughs> and we were literally selling a manufacturing company and an employee got hurt on the man, actually lost a limb on a manufacturing floor. And my client's getting sued and have to, you know, go into bankruptcy. And he said, Michelle, we need a, a health and safety process on the manufacturing floor. And I'm like, really? <laughs> you don't have one? How do you not have that? You know, so processes, you know, I think most business owners get, I don't think I know most business owners get this wrong. They design processes around their own agenda. You really need to design processes around the customer experience. Yeah. So I, w- I want to take a minute on this again, just tying this into the real estate space. Sure. Because we at CSU came out with just really a project management, task management, Trello style board view of, you know, all their taking their transactions from contract to close, or when an agent comes in, their onboarding task lists. And if, if all of these are automated and if all of these are processes, it doesn't matter if you lose an employee, it's easy to replace that person, right? Mm-hmm. Your business continues running without you having to go in and completely retrain and spend a year retraining somebody because all of the processes are in place. So make sure you're doing that. Just everybody listening. All right. Absolutely. So after, after processes, what's after that? So after processes, this is really the highest value driver. This could take you from a five to eight to 10 multiple. And that's proprietary assets. And there's six pillars to proprietary that I talk about. One is branding. You know, the more well-branded you are, the more I can sell your company for. The most valuable brand, it's like Blockbuster. Is anybody paying any money for Blockbuster? Of course not. The most valuable brand in the world is, do you know? Uh, I would guess Apple and then Amazon. Apple's right. Amazon's in the top 10. Apple's $359 billion. And that's yeah. just for the brand. That's not for EBITDA or assets. No, I've, I've got an Apple tattoo. Real estate. Do you really have an Apple tattoo? <laughs> I remember when they came out with the iPads, I'm like, that's the most stupid thing I've ever seen. Why would somebody buy an app, iPad instead of a laptop? And I have 12 of them in my business. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, so, so proprietary is huge. Um, like I said, branding, trademarks, a lot of business owners. It's so funny because a lot of business owners will come up with a name, go to GoDaddy and go, yes, I got the dot com. <laughs> and then they'll go to their state get the trademark, but then they never check the federal database to make sure it's available. Right. And I've seen businesses in business 5, 10, 15, 20 years, maybe, you know, not in the real estate industry, but they have, they receive a letter and I got to stop cease and desist letter and I got to stop. So it's really important if you're trying to build a brand, build your podcast, you know, we got a business we're selling in the 50 to $60 million range that has 12 different products. Each of them have a federal trademark. Each product has exclusivity to one is in Walmart, one's in Target, one's in TJ Maxx. Strategists will pay a lot more money for that. Um, Patents are huge. The other thing that's big is contracts, any type of manufacturing, you know, in the real estate industry, I guess you would, you know, that's your your listing agreements, right? Your engagement agreements. Right. One of the big things that we see with contracts is that business owners forget to put the two-sentence transferability clause. In fact, I've never met a business owner that does it. And so what happens is 98% of sales are typically asset sales, not stock sales. And so if the buyer doesn't agree to a stock sale and the clients don't agree to consent to transfer, then your whole deal could fall apart. There was a brokerage firm that sold years ago to a private equity group. 
And the due diligence team didn't do their due diligence because they didn't look at the contracts. After the deal closed, the private equity group's like, oh my gosh, these contracts are not transferable. <laughs> they actually yeah. threw this huge celebratory party, paid for everybody's expenses. None of the franchisees liked the private equity group because they thought they were arrogant with no experience. And none of them, one person transferred over. They filed bankruptcy within 90 to 120 days. I don't remember, but sue their entire legal team. Yeah. Okay. So databases are big. You know, Facebook paid $19 billion for WhatsApp. WhatsApp was hemorrhaging, but they had a synergy. That's what we're talking about right now is proprietary asset synergies. They had a billion users. Mm-hmm. Celebrity endorsements are huge. Any online presence, especially if you can get any of those top positions in your industry. Right. Content. Content's huge. You know, um, we're selling a digital business right now that has a tremendous amount of educational content. And strategists will pay more money for that. So it's really all about identifying the synergies that buyers are willing to outbid everyone else and pay top dollar for. Yeah, that's great. Okay, thank you for sharing that. Let's jump into your your book. When is that coming out? So the other two P's is patrons and oh, profits. Okay, let's keep going. <laughs> so patrons is just customer. Patrons is your customer base. Most right. businesses in the United States follow the eighty twenty rule. Eighty percent of your revenue comes from twenty percent of your business, from twenty percent of your clients. So you want customer diversification, not customer concentration. Um, and then the last P is profits. Lack of profits is never the problem. I have clients that come to me all the time and say, Michelle, I have a profit problem. I'm like, no, you have a people problem. No, you have a process problem. Lack of profits is never the problem. The result. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So anyway, and so then the rest of it, so that's the six Ps. And then the book also goes into evaluations, normalizing financials, offers, you know, packaging, due diligence, closing, all that stuff is the second half. So it's all from start to finish, but it's really not just about selling your business. It's all about building a sellable, a sustainable, scalable business. Endorsed yeah, by Steve Forbes. It sounds like you're really teaching people, how do you build a business that's valuable, right? I mean, it's not just how do you sell your business? Yeah, because it's very sad that a business owner gets to the day that they have to sell and they're like, oh, I want, I need $10 million to retire and it's worth a hundred thousand. <laughs> You know, it's endorsed by Steve Forbes, who says exit rich is a goldmine for entrepreneurs as they leave way too much money on the table when they sell their business. Plus, my co-author, you might know her, is Sharon Lecter, who wrote Rich Dad, Poor Dad with Robert Kiyosaki. She's a five times best best time selling author. She is a CPA, financial literacy expert and advisor to many different presidents. She writes the Mentors Corner after each one of my chapters. And then her husband is an intellectual property attorney. So he has content to the proprietary section. And then we have lots of glowing recommendations from Les Brown, Brian Tracy, Tom Hopkins, Jeff Canfield, Brad Sugars with Action Coach. So where can you get Exit Rich? It comes out on June 22nd. You can go to exitrichbook.com or $24.79, which is less than Amazon. We will email you the digital download immediately. And Brian, we've received so many different case studies. There's a pharmaceutical company that called us and said that he printed out the digital download and he's using it as a workbook, integrating it into his growth strategy, his exit strategy, and um, hiring us to sell his business between 30 to 50 million. So where do we go? Can you repeat that? Where do we go? to get? So we go to exitrichbook.com. We will email you the digital download immediately. 
We will send a hardcover to your doorstep for no additional shipping to anyone that lives inside the United States. We will give you a lifetime membership to the Exit Rich Book Club where there's video content and me doing training in these different techniques and strategies I've been utilizing over the last 20 years in the trenches, plus documents. Documents to operate your business, documents to sell your business. Sample policy and procedure manuals, org charts, SOP checklist, sample letter of intents, sample purchase agreement, sample due diligence checklist, sample closing docs. All of these documents are there for your review and your download. These will cost you thousands upon thousands of dollars if you want an attorney to recreate. You can use them. You just have to remove Siler Tucker. Yeah. I had a lady that emailed them to me yesterday. She's like, can I use these templates? I'm like, you can if you rem- remove my company name. <laughs> and then we're given a 30-day free membership into Club CEOs, which is Entrepreneur Mastermind, where we ask those, we, we do hot seats, Q&As, and really help business owners to pivot so they can build that sustainable, scalable, and when they're ready, sellable business, all for $24.79 at exitrichbook.com. That's lesson launch, Chambray. Huh, <laughs> That's right. It is. Or lesson, lesson Starbucks coffee. <laughs> so, uh, you mentioned somebody's name there. You said Brad Sugars. I actually got to know Brad Sugars very well. Love Brad coming from spending time in the franchise industry, right? Yeah. Uh, so tell me again, what, what does Brad have to do with this? Oh, Brad gave us an endorsement saying okay. that Exit Rich is a must read. Okay. Um, and then we're getting support from Grant Cardone as well. He's already had us on his some of his stages. He's had Sharon Lecter on and he's supporting Exit Rich as well. Yeah, both great people. I love both those guys. So yeah, good. Well, uh, this sounds like a, a book that I will definitely go onto your website and get uh, get that ordered and downloaded that digital download right away. I'm guessing everybody else listening will do that as well. Um, Thank you. Let's talk a little bit about your podcast. Uh, you have an Exit Rich podcast. How long have you been doing that? Oh, my gosh. Um, I, I don't remember. I probably I started it last year sometime, maybe six, seven, eight months. I did kind of take a hiatus because I've been literally on over 250 podcasts promoting Exit Rich. So I've been doing about five podcasts a day. Podcast. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, the TV, radio, podcast. I've been like crazy busy. Um, my last guest I just interviewed is Dr. Neil Cobain, who's a president of High Point University. And he's on the board of Lazy Boy, uh, Great Harvest Bread Company. But yeah, so we're going to start it back up as soon as the book is launched June 22nd. Okay. Okay, great. Well, uh, we'll watch for that as well. I'm excited to, to see that coming out. We have a lot of interviews we've already done if you want to go um, review them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yep. How many did you guys do? Like, How many did we do? How many? Yeah, did you do like, are you doing one a week when you were actively? I was doing, yeah, I was doing one a week. I was doing one. Well, no, in the beginning, I was doing two a week. I was doing one where I would talk for about 10, 15 minutes and give content. And then I would do an interview a week. Okay. Sounds What's like we probably have a fair number of shows in there already. Yeah. And we've interviewed Jeff Hoffman, you know, founder of Priceline. Oh my gosh. How do I forget his name? The founder of Constant Contact, Alec, Alec Stern. And um, Les Brown, Dr. Nito Cobain. Nice. Yeah. yeah I'll, go, I'll go check that out as well. Yeah. Um, and then our main website is silertucker.com. Okay. So yeah. Tell us how do people get a hold of you? I do have a couple personal questions I want to, I want to ask you, but just how, how do people get a hold of you? What's your website? We have the website to your book, but 
if somebody wants to follow up with you, maybe somebody wants you to sell their business, right? So. Yep. So SilerTucker.com is my main website. My phone numbers are there, but you can also reach us at 504-525-1717. Okay. Awesome. Uh, Just as a quick wrap up, I'd love to love to hear from you just what your favorite book or your favorite source of learning is. My favorite book is actually rich. <laughs> you know, I was going to preface with saying, you know, outside of one of the books you've written. I would say, and that was a joke. I would say I like the one thing by Gary Keller. And I also like, obviously, Think and Go Rich by Napoleon Hill. Um, rich Jet Poured Out by Robert Kiyosaki. I, I like Traction. I mean, those are all my favorite books. Yeah, great. Great. I love that uh, you pulled the Gary Keller out here with our real estate. Uh, I met Gary Keller. Yeah, I met Gary Keller and um, I got a signed autograph copy. But yep, good book. Very nice. Very Great nice. book. So uh, what is your what's your favorite thing to do in your personal time? Sounds like your life is very full of business and it sounds like that's probably your passion. But yeah, well, business is my passion. So sometimes that's a hard question to answer. But my, my other passion would be writing. I love to write. I write songs, I write poetry, obviously I write books and then spending time with my daughter who's 10 years old and spending time with my family, spending time with friends, traveling. Very nice. So traveling, where, where's your favorite place that you've been outside? Oh my gosh, that's so hard to say your favorite place. Um, I've been yeah, to Amsterdam, I've been to Ireland. Place. I love Ireland. I actually renew my vows in Ireland. Oh. Um, I've been all over Europe. I love Amsterdam. And um, Tahiti, I love. I mean, it's just so hard to say. (laughs) What's my favorite place, huh? You you can have more than one favorite place. Uh, Just just like you have more than one favorite book, right? Yep. Okay, so just to to wrap up, uh, what's the one piece of advice you'd like to leave our listeners with? So a couple of things I always say. Obviously, I'm not giving you one thing on any answer, right? (laughs) So a couple of things. Which is great, you know. (laughs) You know. I always, I always tell people, you know, your past doesn't define you. You're the, you're the director of your movie. You're the star in your movie. You, you determine your future, not your past. And entrepreneurship, you know, I have so many clients that are like, oh my God, Michelle, it's so lonely. And I'm like, no, it's not. Entrepreneurship is not lonely. You know, there's so many, your network equals your net worth. And there's so many entrepreneurs that love helping other entrepreneurs. You need to find a mentor. You need to find someone and not just any mentor. Like you just mentioned earlier that you've, you've hired a mentor who's extremely successful because that's the path that you want to go down, right? Yes. I, I, I found that you, it's always easier to learn from other people's mistakes. than You took the words right out of my mouth. <laughs> learn from other people's mistakes, their path. Their path will shorten your learning curve and your path dramatically, but don't just get any mentor, really pick somebody in your industry. You know, if you're in real estate, pick the industry guru in real estate. You know, if you're in um, whatever industry you're in, just find the mentor who has been in that specific industry and really learn from them, learn from other people's mistakes. And like I said, there's entrepreneurs love helping other entrepreneurs. I love giving advice. I love partnering with, with um, entrepreneurs, business owners, and the more successful they are, the more time they have, the more successful they are, the more willing they are to help. So to, to uh, just add to what you just said, just working, you know, we work closely with over a thousand teams now and, and brokerages in the industry and, 
all of the most successful people have a coach. So if you don't have one, go get one. And it, once you get to get one, you might want to switch that up every year or two, because today, what you want to grow to is not what you want to grow to tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. If you were to set your goals today and then put them in a drawer and look at them in five years, they better change, right? So, yeah. so anyway, what, your goals what got you here won't get you there. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So if your goals change, find, find a new person who could, once you obtain this point, now yeah. find a person who can help take you to the next point. So, And then a lot of times you need different mentors. I always say that you will never grow the business beyond what you can grow the owner. You can never grow the business beyond what you can grow the owner. So you got to grow the owner's mindset. Yeah, so really the message there is invest in yourself because if you're not growing, your business won't grow. Well, Marcus Lamona is a prophet. Have you ever watched a prophet on CNBC? Yes, I have. Do they ever listen to him? Do they do the opposite of what he tells them to do? He's like, do this, this, and this, and this, and this. He comes back. He's like, that's not what I said. (laughs) You will never grow the business beyond what you can grow the owner. Yeah. Great, great advice. Michelle, thank you so much for joining us today. It's been an honor to have you on the show. Loved. I took a lot of notes here. I'll follow up on these things. I'll dive into your, you know, into your book and into your other systems that you have in place and look forward to getting to know you more as we uh, move forward. Thank you, Brian. Thank you so much for having me on. I truly appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you for joining us on our podcast. If you have an interest in a free seven-day trial of Sisu, go to sisu.co, S-I-S-U dot C-O. Make sure that you use the coupon code GRIT, that's G-R-I-T, to waive all your set of fees and receive a 10% discount on your subscription. If you enjoyed listening to this podcast and want to subscribe, search GRIT, the real estate growth mindset on iTunes, Spotify, or Podbean. And with that, we'll catch you next time. Take care.